I'm not quite sure how to break this news to Jonathan, but I'm not speaking on the subject he thinks I'm speaking on. <laughs> Which is a bit of a worry to the uh, programme organisers as well. But it'll make sense in a minute, I hope. Um, now, I'm guessing not many people have heard of this famous person, unless your name is maybe Anna Smith, who's sitting just down there. Have you heard of this person? It's gone. It's gone. Um, yes, she's... He's a violinist. <laughs> well done. He was not only a violinist, he was a Russian-American violinist who many consider, apparently, to be the greatest violinist of all time. And on hearing this chap Heifetz debut, another violinist called uh, Fritz Kreisler, another famous violinist, he said this, we might as well take our fiddles at home and break them across our knees. He was such a good violinist. And after a distinguished career, performance, uh, performing career, he accepted an appointment as a professor of music at the University of California in Los Angeles. And he was asked, now what prompted your change of career? And he said this, he said, violin playing is a perishable art. It must be passed on as a personal skill Otherwise, it is lost. That's what he said. That's why he changed his career. And really, that is what discipleship is. It is passing on the gospel baton. It is teaching others what we have learnt ourselves. It is investing in others. It really is the 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 principle, which is what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust your faithful men who will be also to, able to teach others um, also. And that's what we're looking at in our series, Learning from the Master. And this is where it's slightly different to perhaps an expectation. It's not so much what Jesus teaches about discipleship, or no, it's what we want to be ourselves, or what we should want to be ourselves. We will cover that, but it's really what we learn from Jesus about disciple-making, what we want others to be. And Jesus expects every Christian in every generation, that means you, that means me, to be disciple makers, making disciples. Now, Jesus is the master disciple maker, but he didn't just make disciples, he made disciples to be disciple makers. And he knew, Jesus knew, that the church's future was really dependent on the human level on one generation teaching the subsequent one about discipleship. And the text we're going to look at is that well-known text in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. And really that verse is a distillation of God's intention from, from the beginning. So right back in Genesis 12, you have a God saying to Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You come through the psalm, Psalm 96, declare his glory among the nations. You get to Isaiah 66, declare my glory among the Gentiles. And here you come into the New Testament age, 
go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, that's what we're going to look at. Jesus, learning from the master, he is the master disciple maker. And from Matthew 28, we're going to look at four points about what it means for you, for me, to be a disciple maker. And the first point is, um, is this. Jesus, he sets the expectation. There is a prerequisite. Now, from 1968 until 1992, Yorkshire Cricket Club insisted that all players playing for the county should be born within the country boundaries of Yorkshire. Then they realised that they were rubbish, so they abandoned that rule <laughs> and brought in people like Sachin Tendulkar. Okay? Um, but there was a big period of time when you could not play for Yorkshire unless you were from Yorkshire. You can't be a US president unless you're born in the US over the age of 35 and have been resident in the US for 14 years. Right, so there are certain prerequisites for certain uh, roles. You cannot be a disciple maker unless you are a true disciple of Jesus. So Jesus expects us to be disciple makers, but he sets the expectation. The prerequisite is you need to be a disciple. And Jesus, at this stage, has got 11 disciples with him. Um, And he's taken them from raw recruits. So back in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 17, come follow me. He takes them from that stage to now, after three years of of being with them, he says, go, go therefore into all the world. They'd learnt much from him. And we'll look at how Jesus did that in in point number three. But the key observation for now is this. These disciples could be disciple makers because they weren't just disciples by name. They were disciples in their whole outlook, their Christian outlook. It was what they were. It's what they wanted to do. They just weren't saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and then not living the life. These people were genuine disciples of Jesus. And we'll look at Matthew 28. Now, I was going to look at uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, because Jesus makes some really quite strong statements about discipleship. And in Luke 14, you have this phrase, he cannot be my disciple three times in verses 26, 27, and 33. Now, look, read these statements. They are quite radical. They're strong, aren't they? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yea, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's Jesus' teaching on discipleship. Are we willing to sign up for that? But as we look at Matthew 28, there are three um, aspects of being a disciple that I want to pick out from Matthew 28. And the first is this. If you look in verse 17 uh, in the story, it says, They saw him. 
and worshipped him. Verse 17. So as a disciple, I think first and foremost, is someone who's stirred, their hearts are warmed to adoration. Really, discipleship flows out of the fact of what we think of Jesus Christ and who he is. It's all flowing from understanding something of his glory and his beauty and just who he is. And I think, I mentioned in the prayer meeting this morning, as just a sort of a mathematician who has no emotions, I've got to learn the lesson. Actually, I want to love Jesus just for who he is. And the disciples in here in verse 17, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. And so in that sense, following him was not hard because they loved him with all their hearts. They saw him as the risen saviour. And we need to ask ourselves, do we love Jesus for who he is and what he's done? And if not, we need to pray, Lord, warm my hearts. Then discipleship should become easier. But also from this chapter, they were subject, a disciple is someone who is subject to authority. So in verse 18, it says this. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Therefore... Go and make disciples. In other words, Jesus is saying, if we are to make disciples, it's because we recognize that he is the boss, he has all authority, and he's the one who gives us the command, and it is ours to obey. So all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Therefore, go. And make disciples. And Jesus establishes in this chapter his authority to the early believers. And really by extension establishes it in our lives. He should be king of my life. And to be a disciple of Jesus is to follow Christ wholeheartedly. Letting him be boss. Letting him have control. So a disciple is subject, um, subject to authority. And thirdly from this chapter, a disciple is speedy in availability. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. They were in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, go to Galilee. We'll work out why in a, perhaps in a few minutes. That's a three-day journey. That's 60, 70 miles. But no questions asked. They did it. So Jesus said, I want you to be available in Galilee. And they were willing and speedy to do it. And discipleship is all about saying, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm available to be where you want me to be, whenever you want me to be, whatever the cost. And that is the thrust of this, uh, this command. Go make disciples of all nations. Okay? Across the world. So some of us need to be ready to go to some obscure place in the world. And it's the attitude of, wherever you want me, Lord, I'll be there. 
Now, it's, it's a well-known fact, established fact, that Clevedon, which is where I live, is the best place to live in the world. It's just, it's just, it's just known, a known fact. Um, I've lived there for 36 years. Um, and I have to ask myself this question. Am I willing to leave Clevedon, the place which has, in some ways, a lot of ties for me? And the answer is yes. But sometimes it's hard, isn't it? But it's a swift in our availability. So on the basis of Matthew 28, the prerequisite, are we a disciple of Jesus? Are we really a disciple of Jesus? Do we love him with all our heart? Are we happy to have him as our boss? Are we willing to go anywhere for him? Or in the language of of Luke 14, are we willing to renounce all so that we can be his disciple? Now, I don't know if you know this, there's only one person in the Bible who is explicitly described as a disciple of Jesus. Now, obviously, we've got 11 disciples here, but the phrase disciple of Jesus, there's only one person in the Bible who's described as the disciple of Jesus. It's in the previous chapter, right? I I don't know if you know who it is, but in Matthew 27, verse 57, It says of Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus. Now, Joseph of Arimathea, he was a secret disciple for a little while. He was sort of hiding the fact that he was a follower of Jesus. But then he came to a point when he thought, no, I am willing to risk my reputation. I'm willing to give away my tomb. I'm willing to spend lots of money on expensive spices because I am a disciple of Jesus. Just one other little thought before. By the way, I'll say this is the longest point. I'm not sure it is, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But just a little thought from Matthew 28. Everyone is a disciple because we're all influenced by people. In Matthew 28, in verses 15 and 16, you have the word, well, in the version I've got here, the word directed twice. So in verse 15, we have the soldiers who took the money and did as they were directed. So they were influenced by ungodly people. They did as they were directed. In the following verse, verse 16, the disciples went to the mountain which Jesus had directed them so the question is who is directing your life is it the world verse 15 or is it christ verse 16 so a prerequisite of being a disciple maker is uh, being a disciple yourself next point he includes everyone in fact the participation of all Maybe you've used this excuse sometimes, you know, um, I'm only going down the road. Or maybe I'm afraid of the possibility of getting stuck if I crash the car. Or maybe I'm too large to wear one of these things. Um, Or it makes me feel restrained. Talking about wearing of seatbelts. Now, the law of wearing seatbelts is for everyone. Apart from maybe a taxi driver or two, but generally it's a law for everyone. 
All right. Now, as you read verse 18, it says, Jesus said to them. And it's easy to notice that this instruction is to the original 11 disciples. That's certainly true because they're central to this task of uh, sharing the gospel. But I think there's so much more going on in this chapter than just Jesus speaking to the 11 disciples. And I would suggest that this command in Matthew 28 is given to all the Christians alive at that time. And by logical conclusion, to you and to me in 2019. And this is, this is my logic. In verse 18, Jesus says to his disciples, um, uh, gives them the command. But in verse 16, um, we're told that they went to Galilee. So why would Jesus, who's in Jerusalem, and the 11 disciples in Jerusalem, why would they travel 60 to 70 miles, the three days journey, when they were all together in Jerusalem anyway? Now, in verse 7, Jesus also said to the women who were at the tomb, you go to Galilee, because they would see Jesus in Galilee. Now, how many believers were in, uh, in Jerusalem? Well, possibly 120, because Acts 1.15, there were 120 believers in Jerusalem. How many people did Jesus appear at one time? Well, we're told that the maximum was 500. So if there were 120 believers in Jerusalem and Jesus appeared to 500 at one, where did he appear to them? Where did that happen in the gospel narrative? I think the vast majority of those believers were actually in Galilee. Now, this is a bit of, it doesn't say directly in the text. So I think Jesus says, I want you disciples to go to Galilee. I want the women to go to Galilee because I want to give this, I want to appear to 500 believers at one time. And while they're there, I want to communicate this important message of going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Now, you might disagree with my logic there, but this command is not given just to these 11 disciples. I think if you read the whole chapter, it's more than that. And the challenge is this. Am I involved in making disciples? It's not just a task for the big-name gospel workers, the pastors, the evangelists. Every single one of us, if we're converted and have followed Jesus, we are involved in this task of disciple-making. We are there, and for a lot of them, uh, we don't know their names. They are the unknown 500. Many of, some of them will actually be dead by the time 1 Corinthians has been, is written. But this task of going into the world and making disciples is for everyone. It includes you, it includes me. And um, that's a challenge, isn't it? We, we all need to think, who am I investing my life in? to pass on the gospel baton, to share the gospel with in terms of uh, the mess of the gospel, but to invest in them so that they are involved in disciple-making. Each one of us needs to be thinking of names of people who we want to share the gospel with. It could be family. 
It could be other people at your church, other people in your wild group, whatever. But it includes everyone. Thirdly, Jesus models the example. Now, I don't know um, if you're into sport or not, um, but usually, um, and I can, I can prove it by, I've had three, three sons who, I think we've had broken lights in our lounge and broken um, windows because they're modelling themselves on being the, the next, in our house, mainly cricket, I guess, the next, whoever it is. Now, for me as a child, I was always going to be the next Alan Knott. Now, it's a generation. Does anyone know Alan Knott? He was the England wicketkeeper. So it's Alan Knott and Bob Taylor. And so as a child, I used to, and Alison can't understand this, but in the days when you could watch Test Match Cricket on the BBC, as a, as a um, young person, five days of watching cricket from 11 in the morning to 6, oh, that was, and I used to watch cricket, and I used to watch Alan Knott, because wicketkeeping was the thing I used to enjoy. You, and Alan Knott was quite, um, had an individual style, but I wanted to be, so I watched Alan Knott, and then Bob Taylor after him, because that's who I wanted to be, the next uh, England wicketkeeper. Never quite happened. But our aim this weekend is to learn from the master. So I wasn't at the meeting last night. Um, so last night we, we learned from Christ, like the, the master of prayer, and learn how to pray. And in verse 20 we have this, uh, Jesus saying to his disciples, teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And Jesus both taught and showed what a disciple was. And he was with them for three years. And Jesus not only taught them what a disciple was, but demonstrated the life of a disciple. And so here are a few things that Jesus did. First of all, he selects just a few. Twelve people, in fact. Find, just very briefly on these points, just find, not loads, but one or two or a few people you can invest in. Dawson Trotman, some of you have heard of him, great influential Christian, used by the Billy Graham Association. He worked for them for a while. But actually, at one stage, he said, I'm going to leave the Billy Graham Association and the mass evangelism because, he said, I want to do one-on-one personal evangelism and discipleship. That's what he wanted to do. He selected just a few people and invested in them. Jesus only chose 12 people to be his closest disciples. But really, this is what uh, disciple-making is. He shares his life. If like evangelism is about sharing your faith, discipleship is about sharing your life. So Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Now, in a different context, Deuteronomy 6 or 7. I'll go for 6. It's when the instruction of, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then it instructs the Israelites, this is what you need to teach your children. And Jesus, um, sorry, in Deuteronomy it says this, when you rise up, when you go to bed, when you travel and when you sit together. In other words, as in a family context, you, there are four strategic times to educate, to train your children. 
when you rise, when you go to bed, when you travel, when you sit. In other words, you're sharing your life in a family context to teach them God's word. And we need to do that uh, with lots of people. Share our lives, eat together, walk together, sit together, chat together, um, share your life. Then he sends them out two by two, Luke 10. I am the world's worst delegator. Sorry if you're on my teams. I'm just the world's worst delegator. I'm tr- I'm, I know it. I'm trying to change it. But it just seems hard to do that. Um, but Jesus sends them out two by two. Huge risk. Huge risk. But he trusts them and sends them out. They were never going to be as good as Christ. But he sends them out. But it does mean that when they came back, they were very enthusiastic and said, look, even demons um, in your name are being cast out. And Jesus says, well, maybe, you know, but just get a focus. Just rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But Jesus serves them wholeheartedly. So you have that, if like the classic example is John 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And I use this word carefully, I'll put it in inverted commas, he suffers setbacks. Now Jesus is the eternal son of God, he knew this was going to happen. But humanly speaking, the man with potential was actually Judas. Ooh, that didn't quite work out in in a sense. I use that word advisedly, I suppose. But when you're involved in discipleship, there will be setbacks. There will be people who think, I have such great hopes for them. Mm. And you're, you know, you're, you're weep, I guess, over some people. You think, oh, I just wish, I just wish they'd gone on. Um, Jesus, he shows them love. Just go through the whole Gospels, and, and Dave will deal with this a bit more tomorrow. Just the compassion that Jesus has for his disciples. And um, you know, he just tenderly cares for them, looks after them, teaches them. He shows them love. And then, are you ready? This is a shocker. Because it doesn't begin with S. <laughs> but you'll remember it because it doesn't begin with S. He prays for them. There is a word that begins with S. But if I put it on, my family would come up to me and say, Tim, that is, that's just forced. All right? But the point is this, he prays for them. And he does so sacrificially. He prays for them during the night, the whole night. When did you last spend a night in prayer, speaking to myself, for people you want to invest? You might pray for them when you have a quiet time, but he sacrificially prayed for people by name throughout the night. And it made a big impact the very next day when he saw them. And finally, um, he gives the encouragement. What you have in, uh, if you like, a a couple of examples of how he encourages. So the the command uh, to follow Christ wholeheartedly is difficult. The challenge is, no, it's a challenge. And in this passage, Christ gives a couple of encouragements that I think will equip us for the task of both being a disciple and a disciple maker. The first is this. He is appearing as the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So he's appearing, I believe, to the 500 here. 
But he's appearing to certainly the 11 disciples and saying, I am the risen Jesus Christ. And so this task of going into the world and making disciples of all nations, you go with resurrection power. All right? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available for us in gospel work, discipleship work. So that's the first encouragement. And the second encouragement is this. Lo, I will be with you, even until the end of the age. Lo, behold, take note. This is something to grasp. And there are four always in this passage. There's all authority, there's all nations, all commands, and there's now always, all the time. And it might be that Jesus leads you to go to one of the more obscure of the all nations. But if he does, he promises to be with you, even to the very end of time. And that should encourage us with this great task of A, being a disciple ourselves, but also being involved in gospel work, both in sharing the, the message, but sharing our lives as we seek to disciple people. It's a huge task. It's a time-consuming task, but we do have um, help, divine help, from the risen Lord Jesus Christ, who promises to be with us for all time. So, learning from the Master is not just the subject of discipleship, but we do need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But we need to be disciple-makers as well. So, he sets the expectation he includes everyone. He, he models the example and he gives us the encouragement. Disciple making, if you like, is that relational process of helping people to follow Jesus and be like Jesus. <clears throat> and I guess it's recognizing that people are at different stages of spiritual development and then responding appropriately to help them. Who do you... Humanly speaking, owe your Christian development to? I guess there's quite a few influences on my life, not least my parents, I guess. Um, my dad is uh, 78, uh, 79 now. He's just turned down a trip to India to sh- do the gospel work because he's basically he's not sure he'd ever come back because he's, he's getting old now. But I look at my father and I think. Um, by modern his example, I, th- I think if I can just be as half as busy in the Lord's work as he is when I'm his age, um, well, I just hope I pray that's be the case. So my parents are an example to me, but other people. Look at people who have influenced you and say, well, what can I do to help others? And uh, that's the whole Jesus is the master disciple maker. He makes disciples, but he also makes disciples who are disciple makers. And so that's learning from the master. We're going to sing a final hymn.